All right, welcome back to Racing News. This is episode 54, our, well, it is our final one for the year. I know we've got one maybe that we're going to record closer towards New Year's, but this is pretty much it for 2021. Kyle, it's been a massive year. Uh, we're going to go through the year, so there's some huge moments. We're going to do a bit of a review. We're going to do a yearly overview. Uh, we'll go through that month by month. We'll talk a bit about our personal moments of the year and other moments that we've come across. We'll chat a bit about favourite gear. We're then going to do Goat Loop top 10 moments, which we did last year, I think, at this sort of time as well. That's always a bit controversial. Uh, I then threw up to Kyle the, the concept of what would his ultimate race be if he had to choose a location, a distance, and a start list of a couple of people, male and female, what his ultimate race would be. And we'll also do a quick recap of where we're up to on Summer Goats 2.0. So, uh, Kyle, it is a, it's kind of the off-season at the moment. I, I notice you're still running a fair bit, getting a few long runs in. Just give us a, a quick little brief overview of the last fortnight. Anything special? No, nothing too over the top. I think it's because we've started to plan that I think Canberra Marathon could be on for kind of early April next year is what we're looking at as potentially our first big race of the year, um, which is only 16 weeks away. So hence why probably don't have too much time to slacken off through the next few weeks. Um, Yeah. So we'll probably kind of start just doing what we're doing the next few weeks. And then once we hit January, we'll probably start ramping things up a little bit because we'll be starting to get into the last three months of that and we'll be back back into marathon training. So yeah, we've taken, we took... (laughs) I think we're planning on having a little bit more of a quieter December than we actually have, but we're kind of back into the swing of things, which is nice. Got two sessions in this week, and it was one of those ones, my my Tuesday session, that was probably the one, well, I didn't find it fun. This wasn't fun for me, but we drove back from Noosa on Tuesday, and it was really hot, and every, all the other guys had all done their session early Tuesday morning down here on the coast. Yeah. I was driving back, and I thought, oh, I should probably do a session this afternoon, like... And we just had hit traffic the whole day. I felt like I was driving most of the day. And we got home and yeah. I was sitting on the couch and it was so hot. I thought, no, I've really got to do something. I didn't want to run. I was like, that's it. I need to find a segment. That's That'll always get me motivated. So I was laying on the couch looking around Pacific Pines going, where's a segment that I can get? I found this <laughs> nice segment on this climb up in the hillier part in Narang. I said, that's it. Yeah. I'm going to go get this segment. That'll get me motivated. And I started running and I felt so good. And I ended up turning it into like quite a long hilly tempo. I smashed the hill. I felt so good. Got all the way back uploaded it ready for my little crown to come through good way to finish off the day and my gps had just completely stuffed up in the middle and there's a big straight line through the middle oh, of my no. map and skipped the whole segment so i got how big was the segment oh it was probably oh, i wouldn't have been that far maybe four or five minutes up a climb okay. yeah but still would have been nice to get the crown so all that effort and that's exactly probably what i deserved was no crown to go out just to oh. try and get a crown and got nothing that doesn't surprise me because when I used to live in Pack Pines, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and occasionally, like, it, there was a low Wi-Fi segment or so the internet sort of dropped out in segments. So the fact that GPS dropped out doesn't surprise me because it is quite hilly and well, that's there are right. a few I've black never, spots. I've run plenty of times around here. My GPS has never done that. But I've seen quite a few people's GPS doing it lately where yeah. it'll just seem to cut out for 10 or 15 minutes and they'll get a big straight line through their map. And I've actually seen a couple of people have it on the goat loop in the last few weeks. And it just got me thinking yeah. after doing that. I kind of want to start wearing like two or three watches if I do the goat loop, if I go for a fast time. Because imagine finishing a hard goat loop and there's a big line straight through the middle of the map and you get yep. no segment time. It's happened so to the best of, of us, Kyle, and the well, worst of us. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> All so right, that was, now, a, that was an interesting experience. But, yes, other than that, just training, getting ready for the now, Christmas and New Year. That is a great segue there, Kyle. I do love your reference there to the goat loop because we're going to jump straight into it. Not Not the moments of the year, but something which has happened in the last couple of hours we were watching this now 
in the past, we have kind of alerted everyone that milestones are coming up. I think we alerted everyone that 5,000 was coming up a while back. And then there was this mad sort of tactical approach to everyone to try and be the person to run the 5,000th loop. Now, earlier in the week, I noticed when I was going through that we'd done about 5,900 and something loops. And I messaged you, Kyle, didn't I, and said, it's about to happen. Let's just keep it on the quiet. Let's let this thing happen organically. And then I did mention it to Ben Deneen yesterday morning. And but as I mentioned, I saw his eyes light up. And then I did say to him, uh, so you're actually barred from doing that 6,000th loop. It can't be you, Benny. So excitingly, Kyle, um, it just grew and grew and grew, didn't it? And then I messaged you this morning or last night and said it's at 5,996. And then I messaged you again this morning and said, about an hour and a half ago, I said, it's, it's 5,998. And then um, in the last hour, Kyle, can you talk us, have you got the details there? Can you talk us through yeah. what's happened? The 6,000th goat loop has actually been run pretty much as we were getting ready for this podcast. So it came down to, what, four minutes? It was close. So we had, so um, Sue went out this morning, she did two goat loops. So there was, at that point, we were at 5,998. And then three other people ran single goat yep. loops this morning. Um, Peter Surridge, Ben Kelly, and Scott George. So uh, Ben started at 7.18, Scott started at 7.27, and Peter started his at 7.36. And the second person to finish was going to get the 6,000th loop. Yep. So we've gone through and had a look at it. Now, Ben, now Scott closed the gap on Ben. He didn't quite catch him though. So Ben finished at 8.08 this morning. And he yep. was the 5,999th. I had oh. Ben would have had no idea about this. So that's Ben four Kelly. Minutes behind, ben Kelly. Four minutes behind yep. him was Scott George, who then finished and got the 6,000th loop. So there was four minutes in it. And then only nine minutes later, Peter finished his goat loop for the 6,001st. So <laughs> Scott has managed to, I don't even think any of them had a clue that that was going on. But no. another dramatic finish for the another 1,000 loops on the goat loop. So four minutes in it, that means both Ben Kelly and Scott George are on that last hill to gate segment coming down the hill together, un- unaware at all that they are number 5,999 and 6,000. And what a, what a 24 hours for Scott George. That's incredible because yesterday, for those who saw the Instagram, yesterday he did his 200th goat loop. Um, and as was as now has become a bit of a ceremonial ritual at the end, uh, you have to do a shoey of some sort. So, so Scott George did that yesterday. Brad Glover started the, you know, the, um, I guess the ceremony the day before by doing a shoey as well. So that's now six thousand, Kyle. But I wanted to take you back a little bit because if we have a look on our Instagram page here, you've actually got a video of Ben Deneen doing the two thousandth goat loop, and you've dated that the second of the fifth, two thousand and twenty. So last year in May, we had the two thousandth goat loop done. You've then got a photo of. Um, Finn Baxter in July 2020. That was the 3,000th. Uh, the 4,000th goat loop, I think, was earlier this year, about March. We then had the 5,000th goat loop in August. Yep, I think we August have. August 23, I think. It was Peter and Brad. And now December, we have the 6,000th goat loop. So it's it's the... Obviously, more and more people are running this goat loop, aren't they? As I said to you before off air, I feel that there's some sort of graph needs to be done here. Maybe you could look into that, showing the exponential growth of of the goat loop. A bit like well, the exciting thing graphs. is now we're we're due for ten thousand by the end of twenty twenty three. We will be over ten thousand. That will be a big one, and yep. we're not going to be that far away from it. No. I think so. Ten thousand loops is coming up in the next year because, or two. Well, I mean, I don't know if this is a bit of a giveaway, and I'll probably rue saying this eventually, but. On on the um, Strava app, you, can you see the total number of goat loops run, or can you only do that on the desktop? 
I think, I it's think only you desktop. can only do that on the desktop. Right, okay. As I said, I'll probably rue putting that out there, but that's how we kept a bit of an eye on what's going on um, with the goat loop. So, yeah, well done, Scotty George. What an amazing 24 hours it's been for him to be able to run uh, his 200th goat loop and also run his run the 6,000th. Um, so, Carl, uh, your number? You're still at 101? Uh, 101, as I have been for probably the last six six months. <laughs> Okay, that's good. So I've still got the lead on that. But now I just want to give you a little, you know, I'm on school holidays at the moment. So you do find yourself just flicking through Strava, don't you? And just looking at stuff that really doesn't really matter, but you eventually kind of make it matter. So what I've done here, Kyle, is I've gone through the 10 loops of the goat loop from goat loop 1.0 right through to the enloopment, which is 10 loops. And I've actually had a look at how many segments have been done. So now the goat loop, we're at 6,001. Man maker, which is two loops, um, I think it's about 787, I think, is it, what it is about at the moment. Widowmaker, 267. Uh, Jack Day went out and did a Lazarus uh, in the heat of the day yesterday, I think. So that's now pushed the Lazarus up to 133. Here, Kyle, is where I want your predictions. So four loops has been 133 times. How many times has the impossible been done? 83 is my guess. 80, 82 at the moment. So you're pretty really? close there. <laughs> yeah. What about that was a complete guess? That's good. Okay. I'll what see about how I go. six laps? The Nirvana. Oh, that's only going to be uh, forty-nine. Bit of a gap there. Pretty good. Fifty-three at the moment. Oh, as far this as is I good. Tell. This is yep. good. I'm doing um, well. Ultra goat. So seven loops. Ooh, that's probably going to be around that thirty-one. Thirty-eight. Oh, okay. Underplayed okay. that one. Okay. Thirty-eight. Uh, eight loops. The farmer. Twenty-seven. Spot on. 27 it is, 27 bang oh, on. I'm back, I'm back. Nine loops, silly Billy. Oh, see, I think there's a few that have done eight and not gone past that, so I'm going to go down to 20. 19. Pretty oh, good. Pretty good here. This is good, this is good. And see, this is the interesting one. How many people stop at nine and don't go to 10? Like, if you've done nine, you should you should do 10. So I'm what would you say from this being... I'm, I'm going to say no, because Peter McKesk has done it when he did his nine. I'm going to say there's been 17. 15. Pretty oh. close. So um, I'm pretty 100% sure that those last few numbers are right, but uh, I did this tally a couple of days ago. So unless someone's been out and done you know, lots of widow makers, which I haven't seen. Um, so I'd, again, another graph there, Kyle, would be great if you can put That's that good. together like of, that. of goat loops, man makers, widow makers, so you can see how that number just gets lower and lower and lower. Um but yeah, so it's been quite an extraordinary year on the goat loop, and we'll go through that a bit moment, a bit uh, a bit later on. But Kyle, I don't want to take you to start with through the first three months of the year. As I said, this is a bit of a review of the year as it is. So I've gone through and had a look at the episodes that we've done, and had a look at my notes, and just made note of, I guess, some of the highlights. And I do apologise for anyone out there if I leave something out, because no doubt I have, because it's 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 a massive year. I actually thought this would only take me five or ten minutes, and it took a huge amount of time. So I want to take you through the first three months, Kyle, and then you can give me your, I guess, just a quick, brief reflection about that. So January kicked off. Uh, we had the Tambourine Relays, which was quite a good event up there on Tambourine, the, um, the six-person relay or the three- or the two-person relay. Um, if you remember, the SEQ series was the, the months were all thrown out a bit out of whack because of, of the COVID, um, you know, things that we had in 2020. So Cecilia Mathis wins Pomona and starts off what would be an incredible uh, year for Cecilia with the trail running for her. We had a female uh, park run world record done as well in January. February, Ryan Crawford wins the Hare and Hounds, as does Risha Lewis. 
uh, do you remember Fluster the Emu becomes famous at the Nambour Park a... Run? Um, <laughs> that was not something I had on my top 10 highlights of the year, but I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> and then Jordan McClellan Clennon runs 15.29 at Coomera for a course record there. Uh, March, the Goat Loop hits 4,000 loops. Andy Day and Dave Vernon start to dominate the SEQ series because I think that's about when Dave Vernon started to enter the SEQ series. Um, and, of course, I think, well, the big race from March was Tate Herps runs away from Kyle and Tom Brimelow in in the raw or up the buff. What do you remember from those first three months, Kyle, January, February, March? Well, just, just on that up the buff one, like I really <laughs> wanted to chase Tate that day and Tom's like, no, 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 just let him go. We'll get him later <laughs> in the race. Don't worry. Don't worry. So, I'm so sure that's, that's how it happens. Oh, yeah. I'll put the blame on, on Tom for that one as well. Yeah, that seems like an eternity ago. Eternity uh-huh. ago. I'm, I'm remembering now you just talking about David and me watching him run away from me on the single trails at Hins Dam and just absolutely destroying me on the back half of that course. Um, and then I've also now been reminded that day that I'm pretty sure on the last couple of Ks of that segment, Jack Gill ran faster than me in the long course, which he's reminded me of as well. Oh, um, I see. So it didn't, I didn't have the greatest start to the year there with, with those things. But I remember there was a lot of hot races. It was good. Yep. And I think from what you've said there, a lot of the names that then went on to have quite big years started off quite well in those yep. first couple of months. So I think you can obviously tell that those people that start well in the start of the year tend to get a good roll on and, if you do running well through to March, you tend to be in for a pretty good year. Yep, absolutely. All right, April through to June. Here we go. So the big moment in April, I guess, for, for our sort of running group was the North's uh, Park Run um, Club Championships, which was a great day there. Also in April, Dave Vernon again and Andy Day, they win at Daisy Hill. Uh, we roll then into May. So Cecilia Mathis wins the UTA 100. Tom Brimelow wins the UTA 50. Uh, Matthew Pello wins the UTA 100 in a pair of road shoes. Were they vapor flies or alpha flies? Do you remember? I'm pretty sure they were vapor flies. Okay. Uh, in that month as well, we also had the Glasshouse Cooks tour. So Kieran O'Brien and Sam McNulty win the 50 mile. Um, Louis McAfee and Beth McKenzie win the GC30, which was a new race that the GC50 um, organizers put on at Main Beach. Uh, Rinnie breaks the Broad Beach Park Run, uh, I guess, sets a course record there in May. Uh, and also Carol Robertson and Nolis Rayart win the Brisbane Trail Ultra. June, BVRT, Ryan Crawford sets a 200-mile Australian record, as does Kyle Reid in the 100-mile, sets an Australian record. Tim Fisk wins the now-famous Sandgate Park Run, I guess, championship race in 1453. Uh, Kieran O'Brien wins the 200-miler in South Australia. He wins by eight hours. Jude Thomas runs an Australian park record at Kedron, running 1402. Uh, and there's also Wild Horse at Night and the Brisbane Marathon was held as well in that month. So, Kyle, April, May, June, what's your what's your memories oh, or your takeaways from I those? I think the, the standout from that was watching Tom and Cecilia down at UTA pick up victories for, for South East Queensland. I think that was like up there with probably our moment of the year as far as the yeah. local runners that we talk about on this podcast and kind of big moments was seeing those two go out and absolutely dominate down in down in New South Wales in enemy territory. So that was that was probably my big highlight of that part, seeing how well, you know, Miss Cecilia and Tom did down there as well. But again, seeing you say Ryan and Carl's hundred and two hundred mile records yep. on Australian soil, like there's just some fast running happening. So just again, it's a it's a good time of year. That's probably my favorite time of year to race. Yep. Is that kind of getting into like late autumn into winter. I think that's the best time to race. And as you can tell, there's a lot of races happening around there. Because you're right, because you've done all that work, haven't you, in sort of December, January, February, March, and you've suffered through those hot training sessions, those hot mornings, 
And then normally it's sort of April time, the, season, the, the weather just breaks, it changes, doesn't it? And then you wake up one morning and it's cooler. And all of a sudden you're running quicker, you're feeling better. And then it's almost like, like you said, the, the time to race because you, you, all the hard summer work is out of the way. Um, as we said, yeah, that, that's – did you remember the podcast we did with um, Kerry Suter for the UTA yes, preview? I and do. I remember we said to Kerry, watch these people, watch Cecilia Mathers and look out for Tom. Uh, and we mentioned a few other people there. I think we actually talked a bit about a clean sweep as well, didn't we, for Queensland? Because Ben Duffus was doing 100 and we thought that's maybe right. potentially that could happen. We weren't too um, far off. I, it could still happen next time. You just don't know. Definitely, definitely. Uh, okay, let's go July, August, September. So July, we had, of course, in the very first week of July, we had the Gold Coast Marathon uh, cancelled. If you remember that, it was only a couple of days you would have remembered because you were training for it. <laughs> Clearly remember that. July also sees uh, the MyGC Physio team. Um, I would say captain. I don't know who captain that team, but uh, it was yourself. It was Henry Coombs. It was Tom Brimelow and Jake Davis win Kokoda. And I think that was Henry's fifth Kokoda victory, if I'm right. I think it was his fifth one overall. Pretty sure, yeah. We also had the BTU Trail Ultra, the Brisbane Trail Ultra. We saw Aidan Hobbs beat Ben Duffus and Tom Brimelow in the 30K. That was quite a, an outstanding race. Cecilia Mathis wins the 30. Risha Lewis wins the 60. Matt Crean breaks the course record in the 110 and beats Nick Bamford in the 110, which when you now look at what happened later in the year with Nick Bamford at, um, at uh, Blackall, you see how good a run that was from Matt Crean. Uh, Goat Loop hits 4,547 in July. Brad Aird runs the first ever Goat Ascension. So that's the one, two, three, four, five. That was in July. Um, the Guzzler Ben Duffus beats David Vernon in the 21 kilometer, and Risha Lewis claims the course record in the 50. So that's July. Oh, we've also got here, sorry. Uh, Sean Petit beats Tate Herps in the 100 at the Guzzler as well. Uh, which, uh, as you can see, Tate's name sort of popping up, wasn't it? It's starting to crop up a little bit in trail running, and that's something maybe we'll talk a bit about for next year, hopefully. Um, there's also the Flinders 250 was on as well. August, uh, no racing in the first half. And I think I remember our podcast was entitled something like No Racing uh, for this fortnight. But I think the Olympics was on early in August, wasn't it? So there's was still plenty of running to sort of watch and to, to get across. Kevin Muller wins the last one standing, Clint Eastwood. The 5,000th goat loop is run. Uh, Rennie breaks the 30-minute mark and becomes the first female to run sub-30 on the goat loop. And David Buse becomes the first person to run the goat pyramid. One, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. That was most of August. In September, the summer goats round one kicks off. Uh, Coastal High marks the arrival, I guess official arrival, of the salt train. Uh, <laughs> Josh Linnett wins the 50 down there. Ingrid Cleland wins the 50 for the females. Brian Crawford wins the Glasshouse 100 miler. Cherie Barnes runs seven loops of the Ultra Goat and actually runs, uh, knocks an hour off the course record. Ryan Crawford in the same month wins the Butter 48 hour uh, track race. The scenic rim race is hampered by fire uh, with Erin Robertson leading the, the longer race. I think it's 105, is it 105 or 110? What, yeah. 105? Uh, she's leading at that stage when it gets called off. Um, and Hayley Teal and Tom Brimelow win the 65K uh, there. So there's July, August, and September. It's a big five. couple of months. Isn't Lots it? Lots of racing seems to happen. How good's that? Any big good memories of those few months? I just, any, like, big me- any big memories from those? Anything oh, that pop out? I, like lying in the medic tent at the end of Kokoda. I really clearly remember that. <laughs> that, was a, that was a highlight of the year for me. Yeah. You've got to do that at least once a year, I feel like, or I haven't probably pushed hard enough in some race. So... 
that was a good highlight. But again, I think like again, similar names popping up. Like you can see how dominant some of these runners have been in, in yeah. Southeast Queensland, especially in the longer distances. There, we've got a fair bit of depth and talent up here, which is pretty good to see. And I'll be very interested to see how long those names stay at the top over the next couple of years, yeah. and whether we get some new names popping up, which I think we will. Because that's interesting, isn't it? Because that's when I sort of came into trail running, that was something that people told me straight away is that even if you look in the professional ranks and you look in the amateur ranks, there seems to be a high turnover of people, a high turnover of names. So it would be really interesting to see if these names are still there in, let's say, five years' time. Hopefully they are Mm -hmm. because outstanding runners for southeast Queensland. Um, Yeah, August was was really hampered, wasn't it, by we must have – I don't know if we had a lockdown or we had races cancelled. My memory sort of says that we did. Yeah. but, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of racing between July and September, September in particular. Uh, oh, sorry, I've gone over the page here. September continued. Sorry, here we go. Um, it was a big few months. Still in September. I've just turned the page here in my notes. Richard Lewis runs eight loops, uh, which, of course, is the farmer on the goat loop and takes the six, seven, and eight crowns. Peter McKeska runs 23 loops of the goat loop, uh, seven more than anyone has done before. And here we go, Cole. This is probably the note of the year. In my notes, the emergence of the so-called Beast of Narang in September. I had that written down. <laughs> that's the first, the first Hang ever. On, let literary... me just double check my list of my highlights. No, that did not make it. Ugh, yep. How did that? How did that skip my list? So that's the first. That's the first ever noting of the so-called Beast of Narang in uh, in anything literacy based. So there we go. So sorry to to Risha Lewis and uh, the Beast of Narang that I had you over the page there. But that's September. So um, Kyle, let me go through October, November. And not really much has happened in December. No. Octo- October's a big month, though. Brad Ed and Scotty George run 23 goat loops for Taj. Um, the SEQ series begins, and Jack Gill, Murphy Rankin, and Brian Wilder take two from two in that month. Nick Bamford wins the Black Hall 100. Risha Lewis breaks the course record to win the Black Hall 100 and comes fourth overall. Tim Vincent beats Tate Herps and Courtney Atkinson in the shorter race at Black Hall in the 21. Dave Vernon breaks 27 minutes on the goat loop and becomes the fastest non-Olympian goater. Aaron Robertson runs 15 goat loops in, as I remember it, Cole, really treacherous, slow conditions. Yeah, it wasn't nice. And breaks the overall record for 15 loops. And then we had Summer Goats 4.0. Uh, November, Derek Lee wins the cut. Uh, Jack Gill, Murphy Rankin and Brian Wilder also win again in the SEQ series that month. We had the Ultimate Norths Relay at the GC50, which was quite an interesting day. Uh, Amber Johnson and Tim Vincent win the Red Bull Trailheads, which was an exciting addition to the running calendar. We then had Summer Goats 3.0. And then in December, not much has happened. BOR at daybreak. And, of course, as we just mentioned, the 6,000th Goat Loop. So, as I said, apologies to any race or anyone that I have left off there, but I literally went through my notes and picked out the big moments, the big races, there's been some. That's a lot of racing, isn't it? That's a lot of things. Say, that's a, that is a lot. Lucky, lucky we have a podcast to break that up throughout the year and don't have to talk about that all at once. <laughs> it's a nice little summary for anyone that hasn't listened to anything this year and jumps on to this one as their first episode. You don't have to go back and listen to anything now. You can just. Well, that's right. That's the that's year. Right. What a year! That's the technique. Don't listen and just just listen to the last one in December and you get a quick ten minute overview of what's happened. Um, anything there, Kyle, from October, November, or December that has stood out for you no well again i don't think i'm going to pick and choose between those performances i know we're going to go into our top moments soon for for some of those things but again just good consistent racing it was so nice this year just to have so many more races on after the year we had last year with with races obviously there's still been some difficulties this year with covid but we've had a lot more racing 
this year than we had kind of through the, especially the middle of last year. We pretty much had nothing other than people trying to run the goat loop. So that's definitely continued. We've just had some racing around it, which has been which has been nice. Yeah. But another big year. Okay, so on that, Kyle, like I'd love to know what your personal moment of the year is. You've done a lot of racing this year. That's the thing that I guess when I've listened to you talk about uh, on you know your training and racing on the on the podcast, how many races you've actually done. You've done a heap, haven't you? Do you know off the top of your head how many you would have done? It'd be over. It'd be over 10, 10 uh, or 12. I think it'd be around 10, 10 or 12 maybe. Yeah, it's they've kind of just added up. I don't I feel like I've raced that much, but there's just been a lot of little ones. That I've probably been pretty consistent with the timing of how often I've raced. That's not like yeah. I had a, a block where I wasn't really doing anything. Um, but yeah, I suppose like moment of the year, I there was a couple, because I've done, again, from short 5K track running right up to Kokoda, there's been a, quite of a wide variety of racing that I've done. I, I put a couple of things down as far as running that, like I was really like with regards to like the shorter stuff, like the, I actually probably thought of my 5k PB at the park run. Yeah. That was probably one of my better runs of the year. And I was, I remember at that point, just, it was probably quicker than I thought I was going to run. And that was when I was like, okay, that was really good. Um, but then I, I couldn't really go past like us managing to break 12 hours by a few seconds at Kokoda. Yeah. yeah. That was probably one of those ones for me that, it kind of looked like we were going to do it all day. And then when I absolutely died with about half an hour to go, I thought we'd, we'd lost it right <laughs> at the end. And then to go from the highs of the day to the lows of thinking we'd blown it to managing to scrape under with a few seconds to spare. Um, that was a, that was a massive highlight. You know, those, those team races, like I said, we've had a lot of relays and team races this year. I really enjoy those type of ones. So to getting to share mm. kind of that victory with, with those guys. Cause again, I've a few of those have won Kokoda. I've never won Kokoda out of all the times I've done it. So it was nice to finally get, get that victory on the board. Um, yeah. And then I spoke those like personally, but then just the most fun I had was probably racing Jack and Tom with Luke at the relay the other weekend. That was something I probably we built up to the most this year. And I think the thing that I enjoyed the most about that day is everyone had pretty good runs. Like we all ran yeah. well and got to have a really good race. I think that's why we all kind of enjoyed that as far as moment. I think we all probably ran faster than we thought we would. So that was, that was a, that was probably the biggest confidence boost run I took to be able to run that time on that course kind of getting into summer. But they were kind of my three running ones across the year with all the racing I've done that were probably the, the highlights for me as far as my running goes. So I'd be I'd be interested to hear yours with, with what you've done this year. Well, uh, so for those who, who I kind of jog with and, and train with, they would know that the last, I guess the last four months for me haven't been, haven't been great. You know, I've, I've been training all right, but um, obviously had the fall at Blackall and since then my ankle has been, you know, pretty much no good, uh, down to the point where I've decided not to do anything for the rest of the year and just really get this recovered so I can hit 2022. So my year was kind of broken up into the first six months was just absolutely incredible. And so everything seemed to go right and the training was hitting perfectly. And then the second six months, um, not so much. Training was okay, but just had a, a couple of bad moments in races. And obviously, um, as I said in my review of Blackall, was feeling amazing at Blackall, but then just had that unlucky moment and since then, I thought I was going to be able to come back, maybe have three or four weeks rest and come back, but it's actually turned into a lot longer. It'll almost be sort of 11, 10 or 11, 12 weeks probably before I get back into hopefully some training after after Blackhall. So I've really got to go back to the, the first six months because we, it was such an enjoyable first six months of the year. The tambourine relays kicked it off so well. The The race that I had at up the buff or in the raw was a wonderful day out. And I think I said in the when I've talked about it since – most people in the middle of the field often don't feel like they're in a bit of a race. Maybe the races happen at the front of the pack 
um, and less so in the middle because you're just kind of focusing on your own race. But I, I felt this, this day when I was running against Henry Coombs that I actually had a day where it was almost effectively like we were racing for first and second. That was the feeling and you don't often get that feeling. Um, but I had a great and enjoyable day out there to race someone who I, who I admire a lot. Um, but then for me, clearly the moment of the year is, was definitely Ultra Trail Australia, the 100K. Um, to actually be able to get to the bottom of the further steps, which is what, like, I don't know whether you're, you're a big visualizer, Kyle, but before a race, I really start to visualize the race and not necessarily times and things like that, but just how I want the race to go and how I hope the day will feel. And I guess the only thing that I'd really visualized in great detail was actually getting to the bottom of the further steps and looking at my watch and seeing, I don't know, 13 hours flat or seeing 13.10 or 13.20 or 13.30 and knowing that I had enough time to get up those steps. And so when I got to the bottom of the further steps and I looked at my watch and it said something like 13.15 or something like that, suddenly that moment dawns on you that unless something bad happens and a real disaster occurs, that you're going to achieve everything that you've you visualize for the last five months and that's what it was for me it was five or six months of pure visualization that this is the moment that I really had hoped would happen and then all of a sudden you find yourself in that moment and I remember the, there was a lady standing at the bottom of the stairs and she literally just put her left hand out and just said welcome to Ferber and you know grab the bottom of the steps and then you start hiking up those stairs and you think holy dooly like it's happening like it really is happening it's it's happening right now and I, I've vividly remember that moment as much as I remember finishing the Cairns Ironman in 2016 and remembering that moment where you enter the red carpet and so for me not necessarily the time or anything like that but just that moment of the lady stepping to the side and saying welcome to Ferber and just thinking it's 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 happening now that's that's kind of my moment of the year Um, probably even a bigger moment than actually crossing the finishing line and getting that silver buckle in my hand was actually that moment at the bottom of the steps because that's that's what I'd visualise that particular moment. So, um, yeah, that'd be my, I guess, my moment of the year. But has there been any any big lessons that you've learnt this year, Kyle? Yeah, some really, really valuable ones. So my biggest one is probably the pair of shorts that I bought in the middle of the year from Nike don't have a zipper on the key pocket. And if I run in the forest in those, the keys are <laughs> oh, yeah. likely going to fall That's out. Right. So, yeah, that was also a big highlight of mine was well, the low light was losing my key in the middle of the forest and not finding out till I go back to the car. But then someone finding it, that was yeah. that was up there. And then, well, I probably should have put this in my recap. I managed to lock my key in the boot on Friday morning at Main Beach. Brilliant. So I'm having some dramas with my car key at the moment. So that's kind of a big realisation and lessons that I've learnt this year is the best way to carry and hold my key around training. That's my thing that I'm working on the most for 2022. So we need a we need Garmin to come up with. I mean, you can pay now with your Garmin watch, can't you? So we need them to be able to open your car with a Garmin. Surely, watch. Just it can't be far away. That would save wipe. me a lot of a lot of trouble and hassle <laughs> that, that these key dramas have caused me over the last year. But from but from a training point of view, like, is there anything that you've done in training that you think that's actually a, like lessons don't have to be bad, do they? All the time, they can be good no. things. You can find things out where you go. That's I've got to implement that again next year. The biggest thing that I think this year, and I was thinking about this actually driving back this morning was, and it's kind of just naturally grown is the group that we've now got that I'm kind of training with and just how consistent we've been training together this year. It's made training so much easier this year. I think we've all been so much more consistent knowing that every morning yeah. we get up, there's a few of us that are going to be there every morning where we train pretty much every day. Um, and we all kind of hold each other accountable to be there. I think if none of us were meeting each other all these mornings, we'd probably have a bunch of sessions and stuff that just wouldn't happen. So that's probably the biggest thing that's it's the first year I've probably done it 
like this where I've got a group that I'm training with all the time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like my running and training has just kind of gone to another level because we've got people around us that are pushing each other and we've kind of got a little bit of that competitive spirit, but we all you know look after each other and push each other well. Um, and if I look back at previous years, I probably did the majority of my training by myself, whereas this year pretty much it's a really rare thing for me to run by myself. Like I'm pretty much with yeah. groups or, or people pretty much every day. And it's probably made the most enjoyable year of training. Like we've always had good training, like long runs and, you know, race events and traveling and stuff. But it's probably the most I've enjoyed training since I've really started running because you feel like you've kind of got that team environment and you've got a group that, you know, you're looking after everyone else, not just yourself. And I think that's yeah. helped dramatically with my running this year. So that was my big takeaway was, you know, having a good group of friends that hold you accountable and, you know, you catching up with regularly and, and getting to train with. How much easier does it make it when that alarm goes off at four o'clock or whatever and you think, all right, I've got some 2K reps or whatever the session is to know that you've got three or four other people who are expecting you to be there and also, you know, that you actually get to train with it. It must make speed work particular and tempo runs so much more easier to get to, to actually get to the session and not change. Well, I don't even, I don't even think it's not even, I used to have those mornings when my alarm went off early and I'd just go, Oh no, I I don't really want to do this. Whereas it's just become such second nature that just get up and go to the session that I don't even think twice about it anymore. But I notice if there's ever a morning where I'm just, you know, generally like Saturday mornings are the ones for me where I could go out early just by myself for a jog. I'm 50-50 on whether that run actually happens, whereas if we were all meeting each other, I'd probably go out every week. So yeah. it's, it is it is just that accountability that you know there's people there that are waiting and expecting you to be there. So you, you just get up and go. So I think that's yeah super, super useful and definitely been a, a big positive for me this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, biggest lessons, um, it, it kind of it rotates a little bit around the actual same event is that guzzler for me was at on that particular day like I, I really didn't want to be there and i think i even talked a little bit about on the podcast in the, the the episode before about how to get yourself motivated and how to get yourself lifted up and standing on the start line of the guzzler i really didn't have that that desire to be there and that feeling to be there and you know when i eventually pulled out of the race i remember thinking afterwards like why on earth has this happened like this is just ridiculous and now as i look forward to 2022 i actually see the lesson that i learned from the guzzler is that don't for me personally, I don't ever want to be on the start line of a race that I'm not 100% invested in and I'm not 100% full of belief. You know, I went to the Guzzler, you know, I picked up a ticket for it from a friend and, you know, it wasn't something that was on my radar ever really. It was just something that I grabbed after UTA. Um, and as a result, I kind of got the the result I think I deserved because I wasn't fully invested in it. So I think that's what I learned is that any race that I do, particularly if it's an ultra of a, of a significant distance, you know, even probably a half marathon and a marathon as well, I have to be 100% invested in that and I've got to be 100% honest with myself. And if I'm not feeling it, you know, a month out or three weeks out, then sometimes you just have to make the call and go, you know what, maybe this race isn't for me. But then also the week afterwards, I also learned a huge lesson. It's something which I've watched other people do this year is that informal challenges and personal challenges can be just as rewarding as races, official races. So the week after the Guzzler, like I was obviously pretty annoyed with myself for what happened at the Guzzler. I went out and ran the six loops of Narang and 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 ran 42Ks on the goat loop. Um, and actually doing a personal challenge that no one knew about. And, you know, you're sitting there after you've done a personal challenge. And I was sitting in Narang for about 30 minutes all on my own, knowing what I'd just done. And I was really, really proud of myself for actually getting the crown and running the time that I wanted to do. And there was something amazing and something great about just that anonymity that just being anonymous that no one else had been there no one had seen this happen no one knew it was going to happen and you have that very quiet moment all by yourself before other people start to sort of 
you know, give you kudos and things like that on Strava. So I guess I learned two big lessons there within the space of a week is that be 100% invested in a race if you're going to race. And also don't discount how valuable informal races are and personal challenges. And you don't need an official race to to be a to be an amateur athlete. You can go out there and do whatever you want, set your own targets. And we've seen some amazing um, achievements this year on the goat loop and on various different places. I know there's one happening right now, isn't there? Um, who is it that's actually running the Caldera at the moment? Uh, Brad Glover's mates. Oh, um, Simon. Simon's Simon. yeah, currently running a yeah. massive loop. Down 200, and, 200 something 200, kilometers? Well over 200 kilometers he's currently out. He's picked probably the hottest day we've had this year to be out there trying to do it. But yeah. it, again, an amazing challenge. Like that, You don't need a race to do these amazing things. And I think the lesson you probably learned there as well, Tom, indirectly and i feel like i probably learned it a couple of years ago is we don't you don't need to race i think we mm. all we just race because there's races on you just yeah. that's just what we do you know race pops up i better enter um and we just do it because i don't even think half the time we know why we do it it's just that other people are yeah. entering so i may as well do the race and i know for me now when i kind of set all my goals looking forward into next year and stuff none of them are to do with races like none of my goals in running have anything to do with a specific race I might yeah. have goal times and things like that that I want to hit, but nothing to do with specific races because then it just takes the pressure off of having to do it in a certain time or yeah. you, know, and you just set goals that are, you know you're going to achieve and you don't put all your eggs in one basket and go, well, it's all going to be about this day. It's You've got to have goals that you know you're going to achieve that are going to lead you to having those good days, but you can't just focus on just one result as the, as the main yeah. goal. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. And, and, and making sure that you're excited about races, for me, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I need. I need to have that... It's, the, it's almost that little bit of fear and that, that the butterflies in the stomach, you need to, for me, I have to have that. I remember standing on the start line of, you know, even in the raw this year and, and the tambourine realised, just really excited to be there. It was only a short race, but I was pumped to be there. And the guzzler, I never had that. I never had it. And yet seven days later, when I got out of the car at Narang and walked to the start of the goat loop knowing, okay, I'm going to do six loops today and I want to take that crown. I had that nervousness about it and I was like, far out. Okay, this it's go time now. So... Definitely, that, that idea of a personal challenge. And I guess we'll go into those now, Kyle, because let's talk a bit about the goat loop has been huge, hasn't it? It's, it's something that we focus on a lot on the podcast. Um, it's something which people have grown in and, and started to love year after year. Um, and we love the fact that people are sort of setting their own challenges and things like that on there. So earlier this week, Kyle, I, I messaged you or last week and I said, right, let's choose our top 10 moments, goat loop moments. Now, this not only is the single goat loop, but this is also anything which is attributed to the goat loop. So that's, um, you know, the one, two, three, four, 5.0 loops and things like that. And all the combinations and all, all the possible, um, you know, ideas that come from that. So should we go number 10 each, Kyle? Let's go from 10 to 1. I remember we did this last year and we had some massive differences. So, well, I've, so I've written mine, and this is interesting. So mine aren't necessarily in a particular order, but I've, let me just, I've got a few that I think I'll, I'll save to the end. So I'm going to go with, I've got a bonus one as well, but I'll leave that to the yeah. end. Um, well, I'm going to start off with just seeing the 5,000th loop run. I think that was a little bit of a milestone that I yep. enjoyed seeing tick off, and we actually did a little bit of a build-up to that. And, like, 5,000 is a lot of loops. Like yeah. I said, I'm already excited for 10,000 because we're not that far away. That'll happen before we know it. But I'm going to start with us hitting our 5,000th loop, which, like you said, considering that it wasn't too long ago we were talking about hitting our 2,000th loop, that was only yeah. last year, to go from 2,000 to 5,000 in 18 months is pretty remarkable. So that's just a moment for everyone, I think, that's gone out and, and added to those 5,000 laps on our 6,000. Yes. 
Yes, I do like that. Um, my number 10, and you know, I've got two that are number 10 here, and it's literally, oh, I don't know which one to go here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. No one I've ever known before has attempted what we now deem as the goat ladder. So Peter McKeskers, it was almost like a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-week task, wasn't it? He started at two loops, three loops, four loops, five loops, went all the way up, and every single week was adding, you know, one more lap to it. So in terms of the volume of goat loops that Peter McKeskis did during that time when it was, that for me was a remarkable achievement um, purely for the dedication, not just a one-out run, but the dedication of going back. And I think he was doing it. Kyle, am I right in saying it was a Monday or a Tuesday? It was early it was in the week. He was doing Monday morning, starting Monday morning. Um, so that's my number 10. But before you give me your number nine, Kyle, I did actually put this up on Instagram, asking people for their goat loop moment of the year. So I want to read out what some people have actually said. Um, Dominique Olsen, she actually gave us two. So she said Rinnie's first goat annihilation was one of her great moments. Also, uh, the 24 for Taj, that was Scotty George and Brad Aird. Uh, Simon said, clearly we've just seen it, the post-goat shoey. Uh, I think that was about Brad Glover's post-goat shoey, so that might be well, that was my bo- That was my bonus moment, is now that oh, okay. we have a, a ritual around it, is the milestone shoey that is now the 200th. I like can be that. done with anything. doesn't have to be alcohol. can be in sparkling water. can be almond milk, whatever you want, whatever your take <laughs> is. Um, Rowan says, I reckon Aaron's incredible 100K time on the loop was his moment. Uh, Dominic Olsen, again, she's chipped in a couple. Aaron Robertson's 100K. Uh, uh, the Tassie Wanderer. Here we go. Jack Gill's Widowmaker Crown. Um, Adventures of Shez, which is three barns. Uh, Brad Glover running with his shirt off. There we go. Oh, uh, she stole my number one moment. <laughs> uh, and Will Kitchen says Scott and Brad's 100-miler effort as well. And then Jack Gill has just put, sorry, Kyle, with a kissing love heart emoji. Uh, but we'll get to that a bit later. Just on the Brad Glover thing, that's something which I haven't put on there but would be my bonus moment, would be coming across Brad when he was using poles for a poles, single go. I know. I thought about that as well. That was quite a funny moment. <laughs> yeah. So so there we go. So thank you to those people who, um, who chipped in with their suggestions. It's always great to hear what people think. Let's go to number nine, Kyle. Where are you going with nine? I am going to Benny hitting his 400th lap. Yep. Okay. That's, that is on my list. I think 400, again, we're talking about people just starting to hit 200. I think we've had four now, including Ben, but he is close to double everyone else that's yep. even close to chasing him. So yep. he will be most likely celebrating his 500th before we know it at the rate that he runs go loops. So over 400 loops. I think I saw a couple of people post that Ben's run more loop, goat loops than they've done runs ever. <laughs> Good stat. Great stat. Um Oh, geez. I tell you what, I, I had this order set in stone, but now I'm, I'm starting to change a few here. So I'm actually going to put in number nine, Sean Lyons getting the goat loop on the official FKT website. I know it's oh, not actually nice. running itself, but in terms of commitment to the goat loop, that's definitely on there as a bit of an abstract one. So, yeah, Sean Lyons, he got the, um, I think it was the goat royale, wasn't it? Um, and if you remember when we read out the the overview or the blurb that he put, it was absolutely brilliant. So Sean Lyons, number nine for me. On the FKT page, what's your eight? I am going to go my number eight as Risha's eight laps that she ran. And again, we know that there's her, some of those crowns have been beaten, but I think it was just the fact that she's arrived on the goat loop finally. She's probably been yep. the most dominant trail ultra runner in Queensland in the last couple of years, um, male or female. So to see her finally hit the goat loop, that was 
that was quite a good moment to know that she now knows the loop and I, I can guarantee she will be back for back for some more crowns at some point. So that has yes. definitely made my definitely made my list. I agree. So number eight for me um, is yeah, Benny's four hundreds. I think that was that was a huge milestone. Um, and great yep. to see, as we said, um, we think now there's four, don't we, off the top? It's one of the things you can't see on Strava. You can't see what other people have done, which is a bit of a shame. So we think Benny's at 400, we think. Um, Vince Stefanak is in the low 200s, and now Brad Glover and um, Scott George Scott are over 200. So, yeah, Benny's 400s there. Ben Deneen in eighth for me. What's your seventh? I'm going to now go to David becoming the fastest non-Olympian on the GOAT loop. I'm putting him at his sub-27 run. Tell you what, I think you've underplayed that massively. That is further up my leaderboard. That is a phenomenal achievement. Take out out Hauser and Atkinson, and that's the fastest goat loop ever done. Okay, all right. Um, Sorry, Dave. I I apologise. I saw David this morning, actually, so apologies for that. If if he's now listening to me, (laughs) rank him high up on the top ten. I remember this happening last year. Um, (laughs) Number seven, aren't we? Yes. Seven. Right. So I've I've bumped this one up. So, um, yeah, this is where I'm going to put uh, Risha's run. Yeah, the six, seven, and eight crowns, like you said, to okay. actually get Risha onto the goat loop was was great and a great moment to take her around. And the fact that she took the six, seven, and eight crowns as she did that was was remarkable. So that's seven for me. Six, Kyle. Now it gets interesting, doesn't it? It does get interesting. I am going to put. Oh, I'm. You're changing. I'm, gonna, it, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I don't want to cause too much controversy. That's I'm going to put. Is. I'm going to put Peter McKeska's 23 laps at number six. Wow. What That's on earth have you got five four three? <laughs> what have you got at five four three two one? You must. Have, I'm hoping you've put some things in there that I've forgotten because wow, that is way further up than me. Okay, so you've got that at six, have you? Um, I'm putting David Buse's pyramid, the goat pyramid at six, one, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one, 125 kilometers. And there's a lovely yeah, story there I've, about, I think I've stuffed that up now when I'm looking at that <laughs> list, but sorry, Peter, you're, you're um, well up there anyway. <laughs> I remember David Buse's story. He, he told us that as he ascended the goat climb on the 1.0, the last time the sun actually rose up behind him, which was a wonderful moment. Uh, and just added to the glory of that. He was the first person to do the goat pyramid. One, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one. So that's at six. Now we get to the top five. And yes. I just want to count here that I've got my five. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, there they are. Five, Kyle. Okay. My fifth is going to be, I'm going to put Scott and Brad's 24 Fatage Day as my fifth. Okay. Yep, yep, I like that. I've actually put uh, Rinny's sub-30 uh, female crown there, the first woman to go under 30 minutes, the 1.0. That's my number five. I'll tell you okay. what, I I chopped and changed a lot. I mean, I've got a bit of a brainstorming map here, and I chopped and changed and I scribbled out numbers and I moved things around. It is really, really hard, isn't it? Because you, you, you're comparing a 30-minute run or a 29-minute run I know. or I even know. faster to someone who's been out there for close to 28 hours so here we go four three two and one I, i'm wondering whether we're actually going to agree on number one here i think we are I, i'm i'm certain with number one i have a, I had a clear number one uh i'm going right, to four. i've got number four i've got rinny's rinny's sub 30 is fourth okay 
that's where I put Dave Vernon's um, third on the goat, like twenty six fifty, whatever it was, fastest okay. non Olympian. So I had that at number okay. four. Top three. Do you want me to go first? Because you've been going first the whole time, and it's a bit easier to um <laughs> to make fun of you when you go uh, first. Yeah, I'd, you go go for it. Who, what have you got as three? So, because I've actually grouped a, a concept together, but this is not number three. Number three for me happens over a period of three days. It happens between the 8th of August, the 9th of August, and the 10th of August, and you were involved in it, which is what's great about this. So on the 8th of August, you go out and run 131.27 for the Widowmaker. Um, and I think, uh, what was your what was your Strava title that day? Was it a, was it a love heart? I think it was just, no, I think it was like just that. Widowmaker, Widowmaker, easy run. And then a couple of days later, Jack Gill goes out, runs the very first sub-90 Widowmaker, 127.21, and in the same process, in the same run, actually takes the Manmaker, the two-lap crown. So I put that as my number three was, was Jack's uh, Widowmaker and Manmaker happening and also your assistant um, role in that because it, it probably wouldn't have happened had you not gone out and done that a couple of days earlier. Um, it might have, but it might not have as well. So, yeah, and we did chat around it afterwards, didn't we, about now someone's gone under 30 minutes for one lap, two laps, three laps. Is it possible for someone to go four laps? Um, where have you gone with number three? I've gone to David Buse's pyramid for number three because I think I, yep. if I look at those runs, I would rather do 100 miles on the goat loop than run that pyramid, even though it is much longer. I reckon yep. that is a tough one to do, to go up yeah. and then come back down. I'd, I don't know. I just looked at that and just thought, oh, that looks hot. Not that, not that 100 miles on the goat loop looks easy, but I would happily tackle 100 miles on the goat loop before I would try and do the goat pyramid. So for David to go out and do that over the amount of time that he spent out there as well, yeah. um, that took my that took my number three spot. Okay. so And judging by this, I feel like I've missed something because... <laughs> I'm trying to work no. out what you've got as number three. No, because as I said, I've, I've grouped I've grouped number two together because I couldn't separate okay. them because number two I've actually put together. So I've actually got three moments here for the next two, but I've put them together into one single idea because A, it's almost the same event and B, it happened so close together. So I've actually put Peter McKeska's 23 loops and Scott and Brad's 23 loops together as my number two moment because as luck would have it, um, we knew that Scotty and Brad were sort of planning this as they run for Taj, and then we heard that Peter was actually going to be doing this, and neither kind of knew about each other, but it, just at that moment, for some reason, everything lined up, and the GOAT universe just said, it's it's to happen now. So the, the GOAT, uh, no frills GOAT miler from Peter and then Scott and Brad, I put together as my number two moment because that is outstanding. Just to, to, yeah. I didn't actually see any of Peter's, but to, uh, to witness Scott and Brad do theirs through the night and then in the morning as well was was a remarkable achievement. Um, so that's my number two. I put them together. What about you? Nice. My my number two. Now, I was going to put this done at number about 37, but I've put it in at two and I've put Jack's, Jack's Widowmaker run at number two. Yep. I think as far as, and again, it didn't pick my number one, but as far as just Again, it's another one of those runs, and I've, I've got a bias for fast times on this list over yeah. long, long runs. That's just my bias. But I think that's probably one of the most impressive runs we've had from anyone on the mm. GOAT loop. I don't think – I think everyone kind of thought it went, oh, yeah, it's up, you know, 127. But if you look into the distance and the elevation he ran for that and the time, ridiculous, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. If you compare yeah. it to kind of look at the average pace for that versus things like up the buff and in the raw – significantly yeah. faster than than that you look at even the time for like uta in the in the 20 hours a different type of race and things but i think that was probably when i saw it was probably the performance that i 
didn't quite believe the most. And I reckon he could probably go a bit quicker too. But I've got that at number two because I think that was probably one of the more impressive runs I've seen on the Off the And then, yeah, that's that's a, a great point. And then we had the discussion afterwards, didn't we? Because it's almost, it's very, very similar to the distance and the elevation for a 5.0, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and do you, much I exactly can't remember the what they, what Jack and Tom actually ran for Summer Goats 5.0. Do you remember yeah, what 5.0? I don't think it was anywhere near as quick. I think it was in the mid 130s. I'd have to go have a look at it, but I don't think it was anywhere near as quick as yeah. anywhere near. And, and I think, yeah, you go. I'll have a that's, look at that. That's, that's what that discussion was, wasn't it? Is that you, you then compare what is easier to run, what's better to run, what's harder to run. Um, and there's probably arguments on both sides because there is a lot of downhill, obviously, in three goat loops. Um, but there's also a lot of climbing in that front half as well. So, yeah, that was a remarkable achievement. And I think it was the fact that he negative split the whole thing and his last lap was 28-something. I think that was the one that we kind of saw and went, oh, my goodness, like he got faster every lap. And I think that's that's just crazy. Like I said, I think he could probably go a bit quicker. And I don't think there's that many people around that could run quicker than that. So I just had like he ran 135 on 5.0, so nearly eight minutes slower than what he ran for the same distance on the Widowmaker. Yeah, so that's my number two. So, so that takes us into number one, Kyle. And I feel we've actually actually got the same number one moment on the goat loop for the year. Now, this is run by someone who I didn't know too well until Scenic Rim actually happened. Um, so do you? So Scenic Rim obviously was the was the race that was affected by fire, and the longer course was actually shortened. And then when I was looking through the results, I was looking at them, going, "Hang on a sec, there's a there's a female that's actually in first place here when the race was actually cut short." Um, and then I mentioned the name and you were like, yeah, yeah, this, this, this woman's got some, got some talent. She's got some great things that are going to happening. And it's someone who I'm quite excited to see what she's potentially capable of next year in 2022. So have you got Erin as your number one moment? Oh no, I've got my hundredth goat loop as number one by a mile. I've definitely got Erin's, I've definitely got Erin's run. As number one, I remember it was one of those ones that I just saw. And again, I was just like, there's just no way. And I think it was when I dove into, like I saw it and just went, I'm not surprised that she's done that. But I think it was the fact that she did it by herself, middle of the week, like on a Wednesday morning, she started. Yeah. It rained the whole day. She did it by herself, just had a little checkpoint bag there. Didn't tell anyone, didn't put it on Strava for a day or so afterwards because didn't want anyone to know about it. Yeah. And then the fact that she broke Risha's six, seven and eight lap crowns nearly broke Brad's 10 lap crown and took yep. over and well over an hour off the 15 lap course record. Mm. I think it was an yep. hour or an hour 40 or something just crazy. I and mean, it was just the fact that she just annihilated every single kind of crown or performance she could from six laps up almost. So that by far and away was my highlight of 2021. Yeah. It was an extraordinary race and also extraordinary run. And I, as soon as I started to look at this, that kind of dropped into first place almost immediately um and as we said it's someone who i think i'm not sure what she has planned for next year uh for 2022 but we hope that she's going to be there in some of the big races because we'd love to see her go against some of the big names in in female racing um but yeah so there's i'm i 100 agree with you aaron robertson the 15 loops 105 k's uh 705 pace 12 hours and 20 minutes i've got down here for that time so yeah so anything else Kyle that that missed out I I had things like um I actually Tom Brimelow's inform goat which is the two times 5.0 he did that that in training one day yeah four hours and one minute I thought that's probably worthy of a mention because obviously to go sub four for the first time will be a possible aim on that um 
I had just the I think the other one is me. Yeah. Just, well, I was to say his 3.0. I think yep. Tom's 3.0 time is also ridiculous as far as his performances go. Um, but we've come to expect it from Tom that anytime he goes out and does a hard effort, it's going to be something impressive. But yeah, I think his 3.0 time was probably one of the, like as far as the summer goat so far, yeah. it's probably my my pick of the run so far. And and maybe added to that, you could also put in there that Tom's newfound love of all things Goat Loop and all things Narang because he pushed back against it for a little bit of time. And this year it seems to be his the love affair with Narang has begun. Um, I also had in there Brad Ed's... Um, Goat Royale Crown, I think, was, yep, was middle of May. Um, the first time that he obviously did the Ascension was was a good moment as well. Plenty of things that have actually happened. Plenty of things. And it's 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 a different list compared to last year. Last year's list had a lot more shorter distance loops in it, I think, whereas this year has – there's a mixture of things. But I, I wonder potentially where we can go with this next year. Where's the top 10 going to go? Because – not when we, we first started discussing this, Cole, I didn't think of 10 straight away. I had to go back through my notes and go, okay, what are the actual moments um, that jump out? So, yeah, I don't know what 2022 is going to hold on the goat loop, but we will look ahead in fascination. See, I, I look at that list now and just go, surely we can't top that in 2022, but I'm pretty sure we probably said the same thing after Goat Mania and everything that happened in 2020 that we weren't going to top it, but it just keeps delivering this crazy it does. loop. I don't it think does. it's ever going to die now. It's going to be there forever. People will be hatching plans and hatching ideas and hatching races, which, Kyle, leads me beautifully now to uh, a little fun idea that I threw up to you. We have discussed this a little bit in the past. If you were to design the ultimate race based on what you know this year, and I think the point with this, it, it has to be based on, on I guess, real-life races and on real-life ideas and real-life events. So uh, based on what's happened this year, I said to you, I'd love you to, to generate a race over any distance that you want over any elevation, any course, and come up with a few names for people that you would be interested to see race this. And you might even predict a winner um, or you might just leave it open and say, what do you think would happen? So you've gone a male race and a female race. Um, I've done the same. So let's see what you come up with for this. So I think we'll go the – I'm going to talk through the course – Yep. Now, this isn't an actual course. This is just a theoretical course and a distance. So I'm interested, Tom, What did you choose the same distance for both of the male and female? Yes. And what distance did you go for? 45 kilometres. <laughs> okay, I've gone 60 kilometres. Oh, nice. Okay. Yep. I've gone 60 kilometres. And then I've, did, I've got some detail of how I've broken down the race, what the elevation and what the race is actually going to look like. Okay. So I think yep. this would make it very interesting. So the first 15Ks is flat. Yes. It then goes into 25 kilometres of rolling trail <laughs> and it finishes with te- 20 kilometres of steep technical trail. Oh, jeez. So that is okay. the course, which right. I think is when I go into who I've got running would make it very, very interesting viewing. So it's 60 Ks. Yep. Starting with 15 kilometres dead flat. Might even go road. Beautiful surface. Yep. 25 kilometres rolling trail, similar to Narang. Yep. And then we're finishing with 20 kilometres of steep technical trail, quite steep, technical, rocky terrain, big climbs, big descents. Okay. 20, finishing with a three-kilometre technical descent. So that's, okay, that's... That's the course. Throw in for good measure. <laughs> okay. So 60K, all right. So get, take me through your start list then for the males and your start list for the females. So uh, it's interesting. So I'll, I'll go through the female ones. Now, this is, this is a race that could absolutely... The, fe- the male one, less likely to happen. The female one, potentially, well would most likely happen. So this is going with names that we talk about all the time here that I would be interested in. So 
And I've gone with Risha Lewis. Yep. Hayley Teal. Yep. Aaron Robertson. Yep. Cecilia. And yep. Rini. Oh, that's the exact same start list the, that I've got. That's the same five. The reason, got... I look at that and go, I think between... It's an interesting one because I look at that and go, well, the first 15K on the flat, I know Rini would be the fastest on the flat. She'd probably hang on on the rolling stuff, but then don't know how she would hang on on the steep technical stuff and over 60 kilometres, and it's quite a long run. So I know yep. she'd back herself to still try and win that race, which is why it'd be entertaining to watch. Um, but then you've got people that I think would go in a little bit more, like you, looking at those other girls, again, there's probably some that are happy running on the flatter a little bit more, and then the majority of those other girls like the steeper technical stuff, so they would come through yep. in the back half of the race. And I think that would be a fascinating fascinating race so what did when you envisioned your 45 kilometers yep. what what type of race were you thinking well it's it's based purely on the fact that we've discussed this before on the goat loop so i know i know 45 doesn't get you exactly a perfect you know goat loop but it would be between six or seven goat loops and for that exact same concept so i had cecilia risha rinnie erin and Haley, and we've discussed this in the past haven't we that obviously with rinnie's um road speed she would take the lead for probably the first three, and then it's a case of is there enough time for the other girls to actually run her down as the mountain legs kick in? Um, but interestingly, as I said this before, there's a fair bit of downhill and there's a fair bit of runnable downhill as well. So I would be fascinated to know at what point would the other girls, depending on who has the better day, Risha, Cecilia, Erin and Haley, out of those four, whoever's running best on that day, at which point would they overtake Rinnie? Because it would happen at some stage. And I don't know if it had happened on the sixth loop, the seventh loop, or the eighth loop, which is why I guess I chose that 45-kilometre mark because I think depending on who has the better day, that could almost be the tipping point. Um, so it's very, very similar. It's funny that we've actually chosen the same five girls there. So that's, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and so... I think I'm going with, with the male one. I've this The course was designed probably more because of the male names I've picked and how I think this would play out, but I also think it worked for the female ones as well. So the five males I've got, so this is for the 60K race. Yep. With 15 kilometres of road into 25Ks in Narang into, let's go, 20 kilometres of Mount Barney. That's what, yep. that's what we're going with. I've gone with Jack Gill. Yep. Tom Brimlow. Yep. Louis McAfee. Ooh, okay, yeah. Tim Vincent. Yep. And Ben Duffus. Wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I like and that. And who would win that? I don't know. <laughs> I liked it. That's why I picked it because I'm like, I, I wouldn't know who would win that. I know Tim and Louie haven't done that much long racing, but I think they're fit enough that they could potentially hang on. Tim's done a fair bit of trail running and Louie was training for a marathon this year. Tom and Jack over the steep technical stuff, I think would do well, but then you've got Ben Duffus who can run flat and is very good on steep technical terrain. I think he would have to go in as the favorite. Yep. But I think those other boys would all back themselves. So I think Tim and Louie would probably go in with a lead onto the middle part. It's just whether they could hang on or not. So yeah, that was my that's... theoretical race that I would love to – I don't think that's going to happen because I don't even know where the course is, but would love to see that happen. And I'd be interested to see who people think would win that because I think any of them could actually win that. Yeah, that would be a great race, wouldn't it? I've, I didn't actually think about Ben Duffus and Louie because I know we've spoken a little bit about them, but not too much. So I didn't put them in my start list. So my start list, again, for six or seven goat loops – would be Tim Vincent, Jack Gill, Tom Brimelow, Tate because of the year that he's had. I'd love to see him in there. Um, Courtney Atkinson, I think, because he loves Narang and people love to see him race. I think that would be awesome. Um, and I put Nick Bamford in there. Now, Nick, by his own admission, 
really only starts to get going at 100K is what he said. But I think that would still be interesting to put him in there because I haven't really seen him race too much over a shorter distance and I'd love to see him go flat out. So, yeah, over 45 kilometres, six or seven goat loops, you'd, you'd say you know, Tim and Jack would take the lead at the beginning and maybe Tate would sit with Courtney. And then again, like the other one, it's if Tom and, and I'm – when I actually put this together, I'm assuming that people are running at their best. I'm not assuming what they're running at, at the moment, you know. I'm assuming that they're running at the best. So if I take Tom Brimelow when he's ready at UTA 50 this year and if I take that performance, is there enough time for in 45 kilometres for Tom to close the gap on Tim and Jack and potentially who else is up there, whether Tate and Courtney are still up there with them and as well Nick Bamford. So I don't know. That's why I think 45 kilometres there would be a fascinating race. And I, I wrote down in my notes here, I'd love to be at 42K or 43K, like with a couple of kilometres to go because I still believe that those boys would probably have a lead. It's just a case of who's finishing faster and who's finishing stronger. Um, so, yeah, th- that's kind of the ultimate race. And I'd be fascinated to find your course, Kyle. That'd be a great one to watch. But I think <laughs> I, I think I chose the Goat Loop as well purely for viewership, like spectatorship. That's because true. You could just, that's true. You could just set up a, a little deck chair on, at one of the points and just go, I'm going to watch this actually happen. Um I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky, Kyle. Maybe the best way to do it is just to just to pay the people to come along and race, put everything down there. There we go. We've got the course. We just need the people to turn up. Um, so, yes, yeah, so there's our ultimate race. We'd love to know what people think of, of the results from that, what they would be, uh, and also whether you have your own ultimate race that you'd love to see happen. Because we've talked a little bit about this in the past, haven't we, Kyle, just when we've done some training runs about we've obviously got people who are quicker over shorter distances and how long it would take for the endurance monsters to run them down. And, I, yeah, it's a fascinating concept. Um, all right, Carl, what have we got? Merchandise? Is there anything which has stood out in your mind for this year of your yeah, favourite merchandise? we did this last year of our gear thing, and I think I found it difficult this year because I've turned into a bit of a road runner, and you don't <laughs> need anywhere near as much gear to run on the road. I think that's, that's what's been lovely. And I, when I was thinking about this, I was like, I reckon I've used the same, like, half a dozen pieces of gear for every run that I've done this year. I don't think I've actually gone and... I don't think I've bought any new gear other than shoes this year, and it's just new versions of my shoes. Yep. I've literally probably put the same gear on. I think the big change I've made this year is I've transitioned from black to white socks for races, yeah. and it's working important. well for me. Yes. Very important is sock choice in races, and I've, I've transitioned to white for fast days, and it's working so far. So that's been my big gear changes. White socks are very important. I'm, I'm yet to go to the big headphones like Chris. I think that was my favorite bit of gear that I've seen this year. Not that I've gone yes. myself was the big headphones on a long run. Um, I've also gone with then Chris's Batman socks that he wore to our run the other day. I think yep. everyone saw our little bat logos in our session. He's coming out with some quite quite good gear. He's got the headband. So if we're looking for gear, we might have to get Chris on next year for his gear segment because he's he's coming wow. out with lots of different options. Oh, I like that. Yeah, just like a gear consult just comes in and talks us through it. Um, but, but gels, though, this year, have you changed your gels? Have you gone to Morton or were you on them last year? I have gone to Morton. I'm still 50-50 how much I like the gels. I've gone to the Morton powder. That's been my find of the year as far as as far as that. I've, I transition. I've still, I'm, I still, I think, Kokoda was spring and trail brew for the longer stuff. Um, but then the road stuff, I've probably gone to the Morton powder as my go-to. Um, just because I can get so many calories in in a 500 ml yep. bottle, that was been my that's been my find there. Other than that, I haven't changed too much myself personally. So I'd be interested from you. You've probably done a lot more longer trail stuff um, and needed more gear. Have you found anything this year that's jumped out? 
Well, the big, I mean, the big thing for me, my, my gels and my liquid haven't changed from um, spring gels and trail brew. That's still the same. Um, probably in terms of shoe, the big find that I had this year was the North Face um, Endurus, the Vective Endurus. That was mm. an extraordinary change over for me. And, and I had great results in training and, and a couple of great races in that. So that shoe, I think, I did actually say to Brad Glover, I think on one goat loop that we did, that it was the best trail shoe I've ever had. Um, and I still stand by that. It's an extraordinary shoe. And I know you guys yeah. raced Kokoda in it as yeah, well. Yeah, I did Kokoda in them, and I've been in them for most of my long runs on that, and I couldn't, yeah, I probably agree. It's probably the nicest yep. nicest trail shoe I've worn. Certainly at the at the back half of a longer race where you get that, I uh, guess, a little bit of a shuffle happening. So, you, you know, the shoe is able to roll from the heel to the front. There's quite a nice roll in it. So that was probably my official moment of the year. But I think uh, my informal one would be, my coconut milk rice balls that I had at UTA. Teresa made these coconut milk rice balls in a lovely bamboo tray, which is environmentally friendly. So as I left each checkpoint, I had this beautiful sort of boat-shaped bamboo tray, as you would see at some, I guess, Thai restaurants. And then in there, I had sort of five or six coconut uh, rice balls, and they were just amazing. So so easy to actually eat, nice and squishy, and then environmentally friendly. So I didn't, I was able to put the the bamboo tray in my back pocket and. Um, it was all good. So that's pretty my gear moment of the year, Carl. Yeah. Like so one, like one, one homemade and one official. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much the year, isn't it, Carl? It's been a, a massive year. Um, it, has been, it has been a good year. Any big any big takeaway memories before we just look at two point um, Well, I think the other thing that I'm going to do. So when we started this podcast, I think yeah. it was on the first episode. I said the segment that I'm going to keep is I'm going to keep tally of how many goat loops we've run. Oh yeah. I think that's how that all started was just having something that we can, can track and I could come back to every, I think it was month at that point where we are doing the episodes. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's then turned into quite a big thing. And I think I'm going to start a new tracking thing along with Ben Deneen for next year and it's going to be called the Absolutely Count. And we're going to count how many times that you say absolutely. And I've been counting this episode and you've already had a couple, which has been quite good. And I'm hoping you haven't picked up on them. I'm not going no. to tell you where they are so you can edit them out. We <laughs> might start the, the Tom Batty Absolutely Counter for 2022. Well, I've, I've changed it today. I've actually said incredibly when I've heard when, I've, when the word absolutely is about to come out of my mouth. So I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. Um, so, if, yeah, anything else? Oh, let me just go to 2.0 then because I've just got the results yeah, let's up see here 2.0. as well. Um, so as it stands, 2.0, what is the date today as we record? It is the, the 19th. 19th. Um, we're actually doing this um, on the morning of the 19th, the Sunday morning, because this afternoon we have the North's uh, BMR, which would be the first time ever that's happened. So that could get a little bit messy. So it's an earlier podcast today. But as it stands at the moment, uh, the males, 10th, Zach, 9th, Matt Burt, 8th, Scott George, um, 7th, Reese Drummond, 6th, Henry Coombs, 5th, Jeremy Patch. Great run from Jeremy there. Would love the downhill. You know, he's a good downhill run. Here's the big battle, 3rd and 4th. Fourth is Sam McLaren. Third is Darcy Swain. Second, Andrew Pierce. First, Tom Brimelow. So one name missing there. So he's got 12 days in order to do it, but Tom Brimelow has the bonus points for this month um, up his sleeve. 43.01. Females, um, a couple of new names here. Tenth, um, Hanny Antonio Allison. There we go. Ninth um, is Sue. Eighth, Natalie. Seventh, Sammy. Sixth is Ricky Pring. Fifth is Mel Haley. Fourth, Janice Tide. Third, Danielle Murray. Second, Dana Marr. And first, Stephanie Wilton. So again, Kyle, a couple of names missing there. Haley Teal, not on the board yet. And um, Ingrid actually messages and said she's moving 
she's moving into state, so her summer goats summer goats is over. Um, uh, so that's a bit of a disappointment. But she said, um, Ingrid said down where she's moving, I think she said there's one called the Witch's Loop or something like that. And I have said to her, send us a Strava look at it because they have their own little loop down. I think she's moving down into New South Wales somewhere. So we'd love to see what the new loop is down there. But, yeah, we're just waiting, I guess, for Hayley to get out there um, and for Jack to get out there as well. But, I mean, looking at the female times, Kyle, here, you can see how hot it is. It's really hot out there at the moment. No female's broken an hour yet. Um, and the male times, they're certainly quick, but there's some gaps in there that we haven't seen before. So, yeah, the third and fourth between Darcy and Sam is massive. Andrew now, Pierce was Sam just... in front of – I was trying to look for the overall leaderboard. Was Sam in front of Darcy by a point after three? Because yes. these two have had a good battle. So I think at the moment it's now tied. Is that right? I believe so. Are those two I... now level? I was trying to work out where we're up to with the overall leaderboard. Yep, I haven't got it here with me, but I think, if from my memory, I think they're actually one a point apart. So at the moment, if that stayed the same, yeah, they would be tied going into the last round. Um, and, of course, Jack and Tom will be very, very close to uh, to the victory for the last round as well. That's interesting. But, yeah, we go, Kyle. There's there's 2021 pretty much wrapped up. Any final comments? Any final overviews? Any final remarks? No, I think it's been, I suppose, overall, if we look at the year, like we've gone – our page has now got Insta. We've got an Instagram page. We've got yep. a Patreon. We've had we've had a big year. It's good. I think we've actually probably haven't missed an episode this year. It's probably the first year out of our couple of years where we've, I think we've nailed every episode. Yeah, pretty much. It's every, good. Every, it's been a big year. Every two weeks. So I guess uh, next year for you then, our our sort of adventure would be into maybe TikTok. Is that where you're going with us next year? Oh, I've happen? been preparing content all year. Like wait till everyone gets <laughs> unloaded with all these dances I've been making. It's been been good fun. And are those are those dances <laughs> happening after your training runs? With uh, we've all seen the photos after training runs. Now I'm starting Oof. to regret actually putting together a singlet for North for 2022 because it appears no one is running in singlets anymore. Is that maybe just a temporary tattoo would be good for each of our runs? <laughs> We're still looking for an oil sponsor so we can oil pre photos <laughs> us in the salt train. So if anyone's out there that has an oil company, that would be fantastic. Yep, absolutely. Uh, there we go. There's another absolutely for you. I'll put in there two at the end there for you. Um, add them to your account. Um, and the only other question I have for you, Kyle, is do you have any any Christmas Day like running traditions? Any Christmas Day or any New Year Day running traditions? Is there anything that you you desperately do or you have to do? Nothing, no. I'm generally, I try to get out on January 1 just to kind of start the year off well, start ticking off my yearly totals because that was the other thing this year was me trying to get to my 5,214 kilometres, which I'm going to fall short of. But I think I'm yeah. just about to tick over 5,000 at 4,968. So I think I will tick over 5,000 for the year. So that's been good. But other than that, I think this will be my my last Christmas, not as a dad. So yeah. I'm going to enjoy every minute of a nice peaceful Christmas because <laughs> Christmases are going to get fun and crazy from now on. So yeah. it's going to be a quiet Christmas and New Year for me, which will be good. But what about you? Christmas, New Year, what are your go-to um, runs? Well, Christmas Day, I've, I normally have a tradition of getting down to the, the beach and trying to go for a bit of a jog down there. I always like to, to get out. But um, as I said, I've decided not to do any running for the next couple of weeks to try and let this ankle heal. So I don't know, a Christmas elliptical, a Christmas row, a Christmas swim. <laughs> you and Jack, but... you and Jack, you and Jack Gill could have an elliptical off on Christmas yeah. Day. It's so something stream. different. Maybe just a, a Christmas Day walk, which I'll Strava for your benefit. Um, but yeah, that's no, that's about it for me. Um, hoping 2022 starts off with some running for me next year. But I guess, Kyle, from, from both of us, we'd love to thank um, every, all our listeners out there because, you know, as much as we love doing this podcast, we it's really the engagement that we get from people that we absolutely love. We we love how much people 
uh, are passionate about it. We love how much people get involved in it and, you know, talk about the things that we chat about. Um, so from, from the two of us, a huge thank you to everyone out there who's listened. Thank you to anyone who's subscribed to Patreon. That's going to grow and get bigger and bigger um, over the next year. Um, and to anyone out there who just passes on this podcast from person to person through word of mouth or shares it on Facebook, we really do appreciate it. And, yep, Merry Christmas to, to everyone. We'll be back in, in two weeks' time, but that'll be just in the new year. So we'll have a bit of a preview of 2022. Um, and maybe you can tell us what you're looking forward to in 2022 as well because we've got some, some – we're going to make some big predictions, aren't we, Kyle, you and I? We are. We're definitely going to go with our predictions for 2022 and see how far off we can be because I don't think we've had the greatest run with predicting some things. We've had some good ones, but we've had some had some shockers as well. So, no, it's it's been a good year. So Merry Christmas to everyone listening. Have a safe Merry Christmas, and we'll see everyone 2022. Yep, definitely. All right, mate, have a good Christmas and uh, chat to you in two weeks' time. Same to you. We'll see everyone then. See ya.